It's time to talk sports. It's Hacksaw's Headlines. A panorama of the world of sports. Stories, comments, and opinions. Now, here's iconic sports talk show host Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and co-host John Riley. Who wants to talk sports on a Monday? We do. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton along with my co-host co-host John Riley. We're broadcasting from the Dixon Line Lumber and Home Center Studios in San Diego. We welcome you to our Monday bonus podcast. Over the next hour, we got a ton of topics on the table. We will express opinions. We are going to cover an awful lot. Our Monday bonus podcast is brought to you by Dixon Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. Nine locations, more than a hundred years of experience in San Diego County. You got projects, you need them they are your best friend, Dixie Line Lumber. John, we got an awful lot to cover. We're going to go a lot of different directions. But before we start, we're unveiling something new. We obviously want all of our viewers on our live stream and all of our podcast uh, to subscribe to what we're doing. Share the data with all your friends. Tell them what we're doing. And now we're expanding because we've busted through our one-year anniversary. We have started what we will call Hacksaw's insiders group and we're taking names and we're taking numbers so explain to everybody how this works as we launch this going forward yeah so this is kind of like the hacksaw fan club so it's called hacksaw hacksaw's insiders group if you go to the website leehacksawhamilton.com there's an orange box at the top of the screen you just leave your name and email and you'll be getting bonus content that we'll be sending you periodically plus we're going to have a lot of i should say exclusive content that's just for the insiders group so the first thing you need to do is just sign in get on board go to leehacksawhamilton.com look at that orange box and, and get it get signed up and a reminder when we get to the end of the live stream we will open up the chat box that's time for you to join us jump on board john we call it fans forum give us the thumbnail sketch of what that's all about <laughs> okay this is a great day for fans forum because there's a lot of breaking news so if you've got a question or comment for hacksaw just type it your comment in the live chat on facebook or youtube we already see Raul and Mark and Bob, they're already in the fans forum. So if you got questions or comments, get on board. We got topics on the table, and the big story is the one that broke in the early morning hours on Monday. There's a coaching vacancy in football at San Diego State. Yeah, and this is huge news here locally. I mean, the Aztecs are having a pretty rough go this year, too. Here's the burning question. Was he fired on Sunday night, or did he just elect to walk away and retire? Brady Hoke is out as football coach, effective at the end of the season at San Diego State. Aztec football is not what it used to be. San Diego State was 7-6 and six last season. They were 3-7 and seven this season. That's kind of hard to believe that this program has slipped into the abyss of 10-13 and 13 and seems to be headed in the wrong direction. I was mad. I was sad when I got wind of this about 8.30 on Monday morning. They officially released it in the 9 o'clock hour. My gut feel was I wish he would have been able to stay one more year to see if they could flip this thing back. I don't know if this is cyclical, that you have good programs that have dips. I don't know whether this is an examination that they've made so many mistakes that the, the sides of the wall have caved in. Honorable man, good guy. 
Obviously, you don't win at Ball State. You don't win at Michigan. You don't win at San Diego State if you don't know X's and O's and if you can't handle the ABC's of people relationships. I think he did a good job at SDSU, but it's not right now what it used to be. They have never been the same since the COVID era. Remember, the Aztecs forced out of town for two years, COVID and the teardown of Qualcomm Stadium, the build, Snapdragon Stadium, uh, out of sight, out of mind. They've never recovered. The shiny new stadium opened. Athletic Department, I think, made some terrible decisions as it relates to pricing of anything and everything at Snapdragon. Football product has never been good since the first kickoff of the first game against Arizona. And now it's terrible. I mean, they had just over 14000 for homecoming. They lost 5,600 season ticket holders after year one. They're playing at only 55% capacity of this shiny new stadium. Everybody thought by this time we'd be talking Aztecs equal Pac-12 football. That blew up. Nobody likes the Mountain West Conference. They got a quarterback crisis they've not been able to solve. There's just a lot of real internal problems with this program. And now... The guy who did a good job resurrecting it is going to exit in two weeks. San Diego State, John, went through 11 non-winning seasons in a row. Mm -hmm. Ted Tolner, Tom Kraft, the Chuck Long era of error. (laughs) Then Brady Hoke came. Then Rocky Long came. Then Brady Hoke returned. Their composite record with those guys as head coach is 120 and 68 since 2003. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. But program right now not held in very high regard by football fans in the community. I am shocked that our non-NFL community has not wrapped its arms around a program it was 120 and 68 under Chuck uh, under Rocky Long and Brady Hoke. Can they dig their way out? Sure they can. Is it going to be easy? No, it's not going to be easy. There's a bunch of things that are working against San Diego State and working against everybody in the Mountain West Conference. I think the schools in the Mountain West have just been buried because of the NIL situation. I don't know anybody in the Mountain West that's got dollars and cents that matches anything anywhere else in the country. It's just a dirt or conference, smaller markets, smaller alumni, and have not been able to raise funds. I don't think San Diego State's got a very good NIL program for football. It's a basketball school, and they're doing really well. That's a negative. You add into that the transfer portal. Everybody in the Mountain West is taking hits. Big guy shows up, phone call made, you lose your quarterback, you lose your running back, you lose your wide receivers. Everywhere in the Mountain West Conference, they're getting raided by schools taking their marquee player. That's a big negative. I don't think San Diego State has ever recovered from the cloud cover from the Matt Ariza incident, the allegations, the investigation, the mishandling. I just felt in my heart it wasn't the same program after J.D. Wicker and Brady Hoke got up and walked out of the first press conference 2022 last year, Oh yeah, refusing to take questions about the Ariza situation. When all the cameras are rolling, those guys got up and walked out. It was a lead story on all the news events. 
I don't think the community ever forgave them for how they, quote, handled that piece of adversity. And then you got the quarterback mess. Um, I'm, I'm not going to blame Braxton Burmeister specifically. Virginia Tech quarterback waited till the final minutes and then said, OK, I'll come. He was waiting for offers. I don't think he ever wanted to be here. <laughs> Didn't get the offers. He came here, got hurt early, hardly ever contributed, played, vacated before the bowl game. They've never recovered from that quarterback crisis. Will Haskell transferred out, flunked out, bailed out, whatever term you want to use. They've had five quarterbacks leave the program in two years. Jalen Maiden has been Jekyll Hyde, part, part last year starter, this year starter, not real trustworthy, not real consistent. That's a mess. There's an image of San Diego State now as playing Neanderthal football. It's not sexy. There's no neon lights. But it, there's a lot of substance to what they've done, run the football and play great defense, but it doesn't turn the community on anymore. John, they got so many problems with the football program that are going to have to be repaired. And I feel bad that Birdie Hook was not given another year to try to see if they could rally this thing back. And your reaction? Oh, this is huge news. I mean, the the Twitter community is on fire. They're, they've been calling for Brady Hook's head for months. And now finally the hammer was dropped. You know, I watch the games on TV and they zoom in on Hoke and the expression on his face when he's dealing with all the adversity on the field. Sometimes he doesn't look like he believes that there is a solution here. You can see that he's partly emotionally given up. But the question I have for you, Lee, is, is J.D. Wicker going to pay like that? What is it? Five million dollar buyout? Is that going to happen? Well, first of all, I'm a big believer in body language. Mm hmm. And reading between the lines and talking to guys off the record. One of two things with Brady, and I like Brady. I've known Brady a long time. I think he's either fed up or he's pissed off. He can't <laughs> handle all the periphery stuff yeah. that's gone on around the program, which makes the job harder and harder. And then the quarterback crisis on top of it and just the fact that there's more empty seats there are fans in the stands. So I'm like you, my observations, I know this guy. This guy's not been right for maybe the last year and a half. Five million dollar buyout, that's an absurd amount of money for a football program at this level. You can always work payments. Deferred payments, payments down line. He's made a lot of money. He doesn't need the money a week from Monday. So you can work deferrals that makes it workable for the university. Mm -hmm. I think they'll solve that. Where do they go? I'm going to post some names that I think if I were king, because I know everything about everything on this podcast, I would call David Shaw the legendary Stanford coach. Oh, yeah. I like him a great deal. There's a veteran coach who had success at Houston at the University of Texas, Tom Herman. Sean Lewis came from Kent State, did a phenomenal job, joined Deion Sanders' staff as offensive coordinator at Colorado, but just got demoted. He's a head coach waiting for the next job. I think he's a real sharp dude. I'd look at Sean Lewis. Bronco Mendenhall rebuilt Brigham Young. Very different atmosphere. Went to Virginia, rebuilt Virginia, burned out, left for a year. Bronco Mendenhall is out there. So those are proven commodity guys. Now, if you're looking for more recent guys... You want to fix the offense. You want to get fans in the stands. You got to throw the bleeping ball. You got to get quarterbacks. You're going to throw the ball down the field. Nick Rolovich fixed Hawaii. 
Mm. Went to Washington State. Couple of decent seasons. Now he left under a cloud cover in a fist fight in a lawsuit about <laughs> the COVID vaccine. Mm-hmm. Nick Rolovich is still a pretty good coach. Mike Thiessen. I know him. You probably don't know him. Fans out there don't know him. Mike Thiessen's a longtime offensive coordinator, Air Force Academy. Oh. Played at the Academy, quarterback, graduated the Academy, stayed there, and has done a phenomenal job <coughs> with that coaching staff. He might be ready to be a head coach after 14, 15, 16 years working at the academy. Guy I like that's got a job, has done a good job in a really tough situation. I really like Brent Brennan, San Jose State. Oh, wow, yeah. He fixed that thing. That thing was down and dead. I like him. And a guy that I like was here, went to the Big Sky Conference, and all he's done since he got there is win Bobby Houck. He mm. was here with Rocky Long for an extended yeah. period of time, jumped ship three years ago. All he's done with the Grizzlies is win. They're, of course, in one double A. Those are just hot names off the top of my head. Who hits your button? Th- those are all interesting names here. But the question I have is, is San Diego State an attractive job for these guys? Because on one level, you're thinking, hey, this is an up-and-coming university, new stadium, San Diego State West. But everyone else is looking at Rocky Long. I mean, I'm sorry, Brady Hoke and all the NIL and transfer portal challenges he has. They they don't want to maybe go from a, a power five down to a group of five because they're going to be hands tied behind their back. Well, they're, they're still a group of five. They're not going power five. There's no conference to go to. Right. There's no Pac-12. But so they're th- going to be at a disadvantage. So that would be a tough move. Except it's a head coaching job, facilities. You're living in the sunshine. Yeah, that's true. And by the way, it's a clean piece of paper. You huh. come in the door, you go get quarterback that can throw the football. You make this a vibrant offense dating back to not just the Eric Coriel Division Two days, but Al Luganbill, Marshall Falk, David Lowry, Billy Blanton. They were packing them in there. Yeah, they were. Clean piece of paper. So you hire somebody who's got credentials, mm-hmm. offensive mind, can go get what they've not been able to get recently under Rocky and Brady, quarterbacks who can throw, receivers who can run. Now, the financial thing, that's going to take time. It's still a Division One job. It's not New Mexico, New Mexico State, where there is no hope whatsoever. That's my theory as to how you do it. But I'll tell you, and I like this athletic director because he runs a good program, a good academic athlete program. They got the stadium built on time at cost. They survived the COVID crisis being a road team with no fans. But this is on his watch. The mess at Snapdragon, the failure to market this thing, the price gouging. And now he made the decision to get that coach out of here. So J.D. Wicker right now on his watch. It's his program and he better fix his program response. Uh, yeah, well, I'm thinking about Ryan Lindley. What happened? We thought we were so optimistic with him when he came in as the offensive coordinator, and the offense has just been deplorable. Offensive line, young offensive line. They've been damaged in the transfer portal two years in a row. They probably lost four starters over mm. two years. They're playing all young pups, young pups learning on the job, and there's no guarantee they can keep those kids because the phone keeps ringing from somebody else. 
wanting to talk to that kid or the parent of the kid is making phone calls. Yeah. Hey, my son might be available to transfer us in the Pac-12. Would you be interested? Oh, by the way, what are you paying? I mean, this this is a myriad <laughs> of problems. But you got that. Then you got the inconsistencies with Maiden. But if you can't pass protect and the quarterback is hot and cold and you can't run the football now the way they used to run the football, the defensive collapse has been shocking to me because these are kids have been in the program and these are athletes that had played well and they're not playing well there but that's a whole new defensive front you can't get to the quarterback you can't create pressure and those quarterbacks are standing back there looking down the field and throwing chunk chunk plays so i think you can fix this it's got to be the right head coach to fix it and it's got to be the right head coach that's going to get this town excited well imagine if you will there was another Dion sanders would you want to go for a guy like that that's going to bring all the flash and the sizzle and some legitimate great, you know, uh, recruiting capabilities? Or are you going to go for the tried and true guy that's paid his dues, that's an offensive coordinator or head coach somewhere else that maybe we've only sort of heard about? I, I don't know how you circumvent the shortcoming of money for NIL. That's a big piece of this equation. But... I think you called David Shaw. I mean, that's a quality person, quality oh, coach no doubt. who yeah. worked in a tough situation at Stanford, which is a very different venue than anywhere else in the Pac-12 conference. I think you make the calls to those guys that are on my list mm-hmm. and just see, gauge the interest. The job, it, it might be worth a million dollars, $900,000 a year, but for first-time head coach, that's not a bad haul. Because you can always grow it. And if the guy's here for three years and has success and vaults somewhere else, so be it. Thank you for the three years you put us back on the football map. Big story. Me, you, the dogs. <laughs> I guess we're the only ones that care about San Diego State because I don't see many alumni nor fans responding to this situation. Okay, we go from that because we got a ton of other topics on the table that you want to talk about. John, where are you taking us next? Well, let's go to baseball because, you know, the hot stove lead is, is cooking right now. What are you hearing out there, Lee? Well, the big storyline right now, as it relates to the Padres, and, and the free agent window is now open. Conversations are taking place. And we have to just wait and see what's going to transpire with who signs first. And I know there's there's a common thread out there, John, that says, well, everybody wait for Otani to sign. But Otani doesn't impact uh, the second tier of marquee free agents, the kind of guys that the Padres would go after. Let's start, first of all, with the Dodgers. The Dodgers and Andrew Friedman obsessed with Otani. The Dodgers have cleared $98 million in payroll commitments. The Lance Lins, the Noah Syndergaards, J.D. Martinez, Peralta, Urias, they're all off the Padre books now. Mm. So they've cleared $98 million to use. Now, obviously, the Otani situation could be $40 million to $50 million to start. If you couple that with Blake Snell... Then they're done in free agency. Now, there's there's going to be a lot of bidding for Snell. I think Otani is at least five years, 200. That's 40 to start. Yeah. I think you can get Snell for maybe four years, 100 mil. Though the Dodgers historically have never given pitchers big extended long-term contracts. So that's that. The third one is the Japanese pitcher, Yash Yamamoto. But that's going to entail a bidding war, I believe, with the Mets and the Yankees. This guy had a 1.21 ERA in Japan last year for the Oryx Buffaloes. He's only 25. He's He's been a frontline starter for the last 
five years. He's coming. Question is, can you afford Otani and Yamamoto? Or can you just sign Snell and Otani? And then how how does this bidding war with the Yankees and the Mets figure in on the Japanese pitcher? So that's the Dodgers. Padres going after one-year rentals. Uh, I believe that they are making offers to Milwaukee for Corbin Burns, who's got one year left on his contract. Mm-hmm. The guy's a horse. And he comes at, I think it's 10 to $12 million. You can't afford that. You worry about next year, next year. If he pitches you into the playoffs in the World Series, <coughs> maybe you sign him. Big money extension. Corbin Burns, Milwaukee. They have a history dealing with the Brewers. Uh, Shane Bieber, Cleveland. He's kind of odd man out because they got so many young arms. That's a one-year rental. They have a history of dealing with the people in Cleveland. Dylan Cease, White Sox, oh. starter, one year left on his contract. They've dealt with the Chai Sox in the past. I think they're going to look at ex-Yankee pitcher Luis Severino. He pitched really well for three years. Has had physical problems the last calendar year. I think you can buy low on him. And I think the whole game plan here is let's rent one or two pitchers that we can either trade for or sign at lower prices. Wait for Rob Snellen to get here, maybe at midseason, once he gets a little bit more under his belt at double A, and hope that Adrian Morion, who you paid a lot of money for, finally pays off this year. It takes time for young arms to get there. So that's the theory I have on the Dodgers. What do you think they're going to do? And the Padres, what should they do? Well, for the Padres, these one-year things kind of make sense, right? Because that's what Seth Lugo was, and that's what Waka was, and that's kind of what Nick Martinez was. So... Yeah, that that makes sense. I think you can kind of plug and play there and hopefully get some quality guys. The the, the international prospects are the ones I'm curious about because the Yamamoto from Japan and his Lee is the other one, but I think he's a hitter, right? He's a center fielder, Jean-Hu Lee. Okay, is he Korean, I think? Yes, yeah. and he has a relationship with Hassan Kim. Right. But he might be going to Yankee Stadium, which means <laughs> the price is going to be probably higher. Yeah, see, the, the, I, I'm intrigued by these international free agents because sometimes you can get lightning in a bottle there. Now, when we were watching the World Baseball Classic, was Yamamoto the really dominant yes. pitcher for Japan? I mean, that guy was hella good. Yeah. So he's legit. He can come into Major League Baseball right now and perform. Okay, the Dodgers, what do you think happens? Otani won? You're going to get him? Well, they're going to go for Otani, but there's still going to be a bidding war on that guy. Snell to the Dodgers sounds weird to me. I've heard online that Snell was thinking about the Cardinals and he was kind of mentioning, you know, the Cardinals. Uh, that's an interesting angle as well. Uh, but if Snell went to the Dodgers, it'd be like when Kevin Brown went to the Dodgers. It was a Padre fan. It's just sacrilege. But, you know, Blake's going to seek out the best deal. I, I no, hope there's Scott a way. Scott Morris is going to seek out okay. the best deal on behalf of Blake Snell. For sure, he will. So that'll be a bidding war. Yeah. So we'll see where it goes. I'm hoping the Padres can maybe retain Snell. We'll see. Okay. You're a baseball fan. You're an Aztec fan, friend, alum. Jump on board Fans Forum now so you can ask questions. We can give you answers. Your response, the Brady Hoax storyline, shoved, retired, pushed. (laughs) Who do you like on my list? And, of course, we want to hear from you. Dodgers, Otani, and who else? Padres who? 
Feel free to join us, Fans Forum, when we're done. We go from baseball, here comes football. Football, and just what we expected. The Chargers lose on the final play of the game again. What did I call this thing? A rock fight? Yeah. It was nasty. It was dirty. It was cheap. It was physical. It was a Detroit Lion win. Tough guy football, 41-38. It was an entertaining game to watch. My goodness, up and back, back and forth. Bolts are four and five. Brandon Staley in his press conference today, defiant. I believe in my guys. We're going to turn this. We're going to win this. Well, I haven't seen it yet. Do you know with this quarterback, they have now lost 13 games by three points or less in Brandon Staley's era of two and a half years. Unbelievable. 13 losses by the smallest of margins. They didn't lose in a small margin yesterday despite the scoreboard. They gave up 532 yards. Uh, There were 15 plays of plus 10. There were 9 plays of plus 20, including gains of 34, 41, 42, and 75. And Brandon Staley saying, nothing's wrong. All is fine. I believe in my guys. I felt really bad for Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen by 5 o'clock last night. They've given everything they've got, and this just keeps happening to them. Herbert threw for 323 and four touchdowns, and they lost. Allen caught 11 for 175, and they lost. Jared Goff, he looks so different from the guy that was with the Rams and was freaked out and panicked and sacked and turned it over. 333 and a couple touchdowns. Those two running backs, David Montgomery... Gibbs combined for 193 running against Brandon Staley's everything is all right defense. <laughs> uh, they and Detroit, I thought they were going to give it away. They lost, they won despite four major penalties they gave up in the second half and all the goal line failures. They left another 10 points on the field. Hell, they could have had 51 points in that game. Uh, did anyone see Bosa or Mack? The two highest paid defensive players on Sunday? Not really. No, not really. (laughs) In 33 dropbacks, Jared Goff was pressured one time. Wow. In the fourth quarter. 33 passes. They touched him one time. But everything is beautiful, according to Brandon Staley. And John Riley says, I'm saying if I'm a player, if I'm a player in the NFL and I just want to find that head coach and I want to run through a brick wall for this dude, it's not Brandon Staley. It's the coach for the Lions. That guy is legit. I mean, I just when he was interviewed, he is strong. He's a leader. When you look at Brandon Staley, he's a coordinator. You know, he's not a leader of men. And so I'm wondering if that's got to be the problem here because they've got the talent. What's going on? It was most interesting. Tony Romo on CBS started the broadcast by talking about Detroit Lions could be a Super Bowl team. I said, what? Come on now. (laughs) And by the time they got to the end of the telecast, he was talking about how can somebody like Justin Herbert, quarterback extraordinaire, be a 500 quarterback and never have won a playoff game? I mean, he was asking the same questions you and I and everybody on our live stream podcast Mm -hmm. is asking. It's just a mess. I don't know if Brandon Staley is going to get fired at the end of the season. I don't know if they're going to fire the general manager, Tom Telesco. I don't know if they should fire John Spanos, who's the head of all football operations. These are all his hires, his draft picks, etc. Just not good. Four and five. Got to go to Green Bay this coming weekend. It might be cold. Still got to play at New England. It's still tough in Foxborough, despite the head coach there. 
Still got to play Buffalo, Baltimore, Kansas City, and they have to go to face the Raiders and their new coach. So this schedule is going to be hard. Oh, yeah. And I don't, I don't see the, the Chargers making the playoffs at all here. And we all thought that they had a chance to be competitive with one of the top AFC teams. Is there is their defense still at the bottom of the list in the NFL? Today's ranking after yesterday's yeah. contribution of yeah. 532 yards, <laughs> 32nd in the NFL. Dead last. But. I have no problem. I believe in my guys. That's what Brandon Staley said. Yeah, and that's what it says on his business card on his resume, right? (laughs) He's a defensive genius. Okay, we go from Bolt football. You're a Charger fan. Feel free to jump on board fans form and go to that. Talk about storylines around the NFL, John. Yeah, there were a lot of really good games over the weekend, so let's break them all down, Lee. Okay, blowouts and upsets. Nice headline there. Let's start. Houston upsets the Bengals. C.J. Stroud threw for 470 a week ago and five touchdowns. Yesterday against Cincinnati, pretty good defense. He went for 356. And Devin Singletary had 150 yards rushing. Houston Texans upset the Bengals. C.J. Stroud, rookie of the year, hyphen, superstar, coming. Unbelievable. 49ers, Jaguars. Boy, that San Francisco coming off the bye week stomped them. Jags. Two fumbles, two interceptions, gave up five sacks. Frisco's defense was just playing with his hair on fire. Brock Purdy, 296 passing, three touchdowns. George Kittle, three catches, a buck 16. Hmm. Taunting them as he's going down the field. (laughs) It was pretty impressive. Surprise, Cleveland Browns beat the Ravens. Baltimore had a 24-9 lead, and it got away from them. Cleveland scored on a 34-yard pick six. 40-yard touchdown pass to OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr., and they also racked up three interceptions, fumble, seven quarterback sacks. I mean, it was amazing they were able to choke off Lamar Jackson. So that's a surprise win there. Dallas, doomsday. Dak Prescott, fourth red-hot game in a row. He goes for 404 and four touchdowns. C.D. Lamb, another double-digit Sunday, 11 receptions for 151. Brandon Cooks, the veteran, nine catches, a buck 73. At halftime of this game, halftime stat sheet, Dallas had 368 yards. The Giants had 27 yards in offense. Really? Giants are playing their third-string quarterback. Wow. And their offensive line's an absolute mess. Uh, Dallas had 20 first downs in the first half to one for the New York football <laughs> Dallas really good. The Giants are a disaster. Entertaining game on Sunday Night Football. Josh Jacobs runs for 116. First time over that mark. Kid quarterback Aiden O'Connell throws for 151. Raiders hung on to beat the Jets. Zach Wilson threw for 317 all-purpose yards, but he, he kept throwing into coverage. He wants to be a gunslinger, but his accuracy is still running hot and cold. Raiders have won a couple in a row. Now, granted, they haven't beaten a lot of tough teams, but the Raiders have put back-to-back wins together. And then there's the Josh Dobbs factor. Minnesota's <laughs> street-free agent quarterback, 212 all-purpose yards. Minnesota beats the New Orleans Saints. Somehow, someway, Kevin O'Connell is walking around either sprinkling stardust or holy water <laughs> in that locker room. Vikings have won five straight. 
Think where they'd be had they not screwed up and given the opening game there to the Chargers. So Kevin O'Connell's really got those guys. Bad day for New Orleans. They lose quarterback Derek Carr with a concussion and a shoulder. They lose Michael Thomas, their star wide receiver. He got hurt. So entertaining games. Couple surprises, couple of real big upsets too. Yeah, it was it was a great weekend, and and I C.J. Stroud has got to be one of the top three stories in the NFL oh, this yeah. season. I mean, when he was drafted, remember it was Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and Bryce Young's struggling in Carolina. He's not really getting anything done, but C.J. Stroud just lighting it up. So you know, good on D'Amico Ryan's for putting that whole thing together. Houston seeing a resurrection of football, but you know, the, I go back to. You know, the Vikings and Kevin uh, Kevin O'Connell. And, you know, we were kind of counting him out there for a while because he wasn't doing well. Now he's suddenly doing well again. We were counting one, two, three. Count him out in 10 once he lost Kirk Cousins. Yes. And then this Josh Dobbs has re- rejuvenated it. But let's just pretend for a moment that Kevin O'Connell got fired with the Vikings. How about him coming to San Diego State? Well, he's not going to get fired by the Vikings. Well, not now. look what he's doing. But yeah, yeah I thought about that in the <laughs> early morning hours today. And then I had my first cup of coffee and said, stop talking about that. <laughs> okay, we go from the NFL. We're going to go north of the border here. Yeah, the, the CFL. I mean, Hacksaw, you cover it all here. But there's some interesting angles here in, in the up to the north. Here's a favorite phrase. What's their national anthem called? Oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. Canadian Football League playoffs. I don't understand this. Toronto Argonauts set a CFL record going 16-2 and this year. Wow. They sledgehammered everybody. They got Jim Kelly's nephew, Chad Kelly, former Ole Miss quarterback, mm-hmm. kind of bounced around the NFL, wasn't really mature enough to play, went to Canada. It's become a star. So the Argos go 16-2. and Get a first round bye. So, yeah, uh, Saturday, they play in the Eastern Conference Finals. The winner of the East meets the winner of the West next week in the CFL Grey Cup Championship game. So, Toronto is 16 and 2. Chad Kelly, almost 4,000 yards in throwing the football. He turned it over nine times. Nine? At a bye week, all prepared. Against Montreal, nine. <laughs> turned it over nine times. Kelly, four picks, two fumbles. And a bunch of other fumbles along. Brutal. Nine turnovers. The Argonauts are out of the playoffs. Montreal Alouettes are going to the Great Cup Finals. Out west, British Columbia Lions. Red hot. Top passer in the league, Vernon Adams. Could he play the University of Washington? Guy went north, stayed up there. Has loved it. He's a folk hero and all that. Hmm. They played the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on the road. Vernon Adams threw for 4,300-plus yards this year. Threw and ran. Uh, very good CFL quarterback. They go into Winnipeg. Nine quarterback sacks. Whoa. It's tough to throw the football when your quarterback is horizontal parade rest. (laughs) Exactly. Lying on his back. (laughs) Nine sacks. Winnipeg blows out British Columbia. So Winnipeg will play Montreal. For any of you on live stream who got deported from Canada, that's your CFL update today. (laughs) The king of the north. Um, If you could cherry pick one rule from the CFL and bring it to the NFL, what would it be? Motion. Everybody's allowed to go in motion offensively. Mm -hmm. And it's weird. When you watch the CFL games are here on, I think it's ESPN2, you watch CFL football, and we're so embedded in National Football League, you know, three-point stance. CFL line of scrimmage, Vernon Adams, BC Lions quarterback, Hut, three guys go in motion. And I'm looking, I said, that's the illegal procedure. No, it's Canada. <laughs> so that, and guys get a running start 
and have to time it so they don't cross the line of scrimmage. Really? But they do it. It's well, absolutely amazing. That you know, there's all the kind of screwball rules, one point rouge on kicks that don't get returned, and obviously three downs and 110 yards length of field and much wider. It's a it's a different game, but I do like. All this motion, holy cow! Can you imagine NFL coaches? Yeah, if they had that gadget. Well, how, gadget. think about how many times you watch an NFL game and we're interrupted by illegal motion or illegal procedure, and you're like, "Ah, oh, it's just so ticky tack." Yeah, that'd be pretty dynamic <laughs> to have these guys moving around. Well, if you ever get penalties. to watch a Great Cup championship game in a week or so, just watch it and see how much motion there is on a whole bunch of snaps. Hey, we get to halftime. Our broadcast is brought to you by Dixon Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. There are nine locations to serve you. John, let's talk about projects. I need cabinets. I need kitchen counters in my house here in Rancho Bernardo. I guess I do need Dixie Line Lumber to guide me through this project. Explain why. Yeah, because, you know, when you want to get your kitchen remodeled, your bathroom remodeled, like, who do you talk to first? I mean, you could talk to a contractor, but you don't know really what kind of design they're going to put together. That's the beautiful thing about Dixie Line is you go there, they've got designers on staff, and they'll put a plan together. They'll come to your house, they'll measure everything, and then they'll put together this this schematic on their computer showing you where the cabinets you could visualize how it's all going to be set up and then you can bring in the contractors and and, and Dixie Line sells the product and the end result is just ter- terrific you go on Dixie, Dixie Line's website into the project and ideas section of the site there's all kinds of kitchen and bath remodels you can see all the photos it's incredible okay you got your marching orders you got projects I got two left feet when it comes to home projects <laughs> I need Dixie Line. They could be your best teammate. These are who these people are. We start the second half of our Monday bonus podcast. John, before we jump back in, two things to remind people about. Something new we're doing. We just crossed the one-year threshold with this podcast that is blowing up. Our bonus podcast on Monday, our big podcast on Thursday, Explain to them how they become part of our team. Hacksaw's Insiders Group. We're taking names and numbers now. Go ahead. Yeah, you get, this is your chance to sign up. Hacksaw's Insiders Group. Go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com. At the top of the website, there's this orange box. You just put in your name and email. Sign up. It's absolutely free. We're going to be releasing a lot of bonus content and content exclusive just for people in the Hacksaw Insiders Group. And a reminder, at the end, fans form. Look at how many people are stacked up in line. It's it's like planes over LAX waiting to land. You got a question. You got a statement to make. Join us in the chat box right now. We'll try to get to as many as we can. Don't send us 10. Send us one or two so everybody else will get a kick at the can. Fans form right at the end. And a reminder, we invite you to share. Tell all your friends about what we do. Bonus Monday and what we do on Thursday. And check my website. It's written. It's there. It's free. There's nothing in the world free. LeeHacksawHamilton.com. We go from NFL football, John. We're moving across the gridiron. Yeah, I mean, a lot of drama here with Michigan and even in the game against Penn State over the weekend. Well, the war has begun. Michigan versus the Big Ten Conference over the suspension of Jim Harbaugh. Michigan on Friday night at about 11.30 p.m. filed an injunction. The judge in the case has filed a hearing on Friday 
Michigan asking for a restraining order against the Big Ten. You can't suspend our head coach. Uh, the the Big Ten uh, was given a 13-page response to Michigan in which they gave them step-by-step all the data they compiled. I read some of it. It involves videos that these illegal scouts took of sidelines of Michigan opponents. It involves spreadsheets. It involves color coding. It involves language of play calls. This sure does look like cheating to me. So that's a big issue there. University of Michigan had a 10-page complaint saying this is nothing more than a vendetta by opposing coaches and opposing ADs. You can't do this. This is not a Big Ten issue. This is an NCAA issue. It should go under their umbrella. The Big Ten came back and said, you violated bylaw 11.11. Harbaugh's responsible for every member of his football staff. That guy who's been fired was a member of the football staff. The big storyline here, and I know you got dragged into court a bunch of times, <laughs> Yeah, due process. The fact that Michigan was not asked by the Big Ten to make Harbaugh available, the fact there was no interview, no presentation of the evidence to Harbaugh, what they had gathered— Is that a violation of due process? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So that's where we are right now. Judge is going to make a decision on Friday whether to grant Michigan the injunction. But he'll have to look at the 13 pages of documents of everything that the Big Ten had. Mm -hmm. That goes back to Harbaugh's staff member who works underneath Jim Harbaugh. Doesn't change your mind? No. Well, you know, he's he's clearly responsible. He's the, you know, the head of the snake, as they say. But there were other Big Ten programs that were doing something similar, right? Well, there are insinuations that Ohio State and Rutgers put together video information and a spreadsheet and gave it to Purdue. Purdue played Michigan in the championship game of the Big, 12, uh, Big Ten Conference last year. There's insinuations Big Ten says they don't have that documentation. I happen to think that report is out there. That leads me to believe there seems to be a lot of cheating going on at other places in the Big Ten Conference, not just with anybody whose mail is being sent to Ann Arbor. (laughs) Everyone's looking for an edge, right? So, and and, you know, nowadays everyone's got a cell phone. I mean, it's it's easy to cheat this way. I mean, it doesn't take a whole lot of coordination to make it happen. But I I mean, I think the Big Ten was right to drop the hammer here because it's their jurisdiction. But it is a question of due process. That is a fair point. Okay, we go on from that. Let's talk about a weird weekend in college football as we blitz through all these topics on the table. Yeah, the Pac-12, the Mountain West, there were a lot of wild games. Oregon steamrolls Southern Cal. Ducks, 552 yards in offense against the Trojans' beleaguered defense. Bo Nix throws for 412 and four touchdowns. It was Caleb Williams against the world. They have lost four of their last five. How good was Bo Nix in the first half? He threw touchdown passes of 41, 77, and 84 yards on consecutive series. Wow. Game over at halftime. So USC got scorched. UCLA, I don't understand. Chip Kelly. He wound up playing his third-string quarterback against Arizona State. This quarterback carousel really late in the season. They got beat. They got beat by a 2-7 and seven Sun Devil team. They fell apart. And this was so weird. Arizona State ambushed them. They'd done things with formations 
They hadn't done all season long, so there was no video. They ran what they call swinging gate offense. Mm. They put all the offensive linemen on one side of the field with the center, with the quarterback. And he snaps and runs plays off that weird-looking formation. They ran what looked like single-wing football. Nobody's seen single wings since 1947. <laughs> they Evidently, Sun Devils practiced this. That's all they practiced all week. They have so many injuries. They lined up a running back at quarterback. They ran. A, they run, lined up a tight-ended quarterback running out of a wildcat offense. I mean, it was—I saw some of the video. It was just strangest thing I've ever seen. And Chip Kelly had no clue at all. And he's playing his third-string quarterback. They mm. got beat. I mean, they got themselves demoted to another bowl game and down another level. The, right. As you say, the Weed Whacker Bowl. <laughs> yeah. So I don't—and, boy, there's some people really upset at Chip Kelly. Do you know all the money they paid him, let him do everything he wants? His record at UCLA is only 33-33. and 33. Chip really? Kelly. Wow. So that's a unique storyline. Aztecs lose to Colorado State. What a miserable first half. They trailed 15-0. Hell, it could have been 25 nothing. Colorado State out-toughed them. Second half, San Diego State came back too little, too late. Arizona beat Colorado. Game-winning field goal, two seconds to go. They're doing such a great job in Tucson with the Wildcat program. Jonah Coleman ran for 172. Shador Sanders threw for 243, a couple of scores, but they're not what they were at the start of the season. Uh, Neon Dion's team has lost six of his last seven. Michael Penix, 332 yards, two touchdown passes. Washington grinded out a win over Utah. Utah played them really, really tough into the fourth quarter. Huskies are now 10-0 and on the season. So kind of a unique weekend in the Pac-12 and the Mountain West. Well, you know, we have praised Chip Kelly at times, and now we're wondering what he's doing. I mean, is this guy a genius or is he a Correct failure? Time. As a crackpot, so the, the, to me, I can't quite figure that one out. I, and I watched the um, the Washington Utah game; that was pretty good. And, and this, I keep wanting to say uh, Michael Vick, but it's Michael Penix. You know, just the lefty, you know, fast quarterback. He's tremendous. Um, and I watched part of that SC Oregon game, and, and this is kind of a crazy tangent, but. USC has always had that traditional look, those same uniforms forever. Meanwhile, Oregon is like changes them every week. I mean, neon lights. Yeah. Do you like the Oregon uniform scheme? It's crazy. At first they said, oh, that's novel. And then there were so many combos. I said, oh, I'm tired of that. I, I like their original colors, but they're dynamic. And it's that and the football facilities. That's what lures the kids to go play in the Pacific Northwest. It's such a cool atmosphere. Oh, no And doubt. by the way, they win. Yeah, they keep winning. So, yeah, good on them. That Aztec game, though, I mean, what a disgrace. I <laughs> mean, a, that's why Brady Hoke must have had all these emotions cooking on Sunday. It, it was more than just a bad tuna fish sandwich, the look on his <laughs> face. It was terrible. Uh, let's go from that. we got some hot headlines here in college football. Yeah, there's big lists here. LSU, Texas A&M, what's going on? Okay, let's start here. His name is Jaden Daniels. He transferred from a Pac-12 school to LSU. He was a one-man gang at Arizona State. He went to LSU. He's playing for Brian Kelly. He had 606 all-purpose yards at quarterback on Saturday night. What? 606. <laughs> really? Yeah, the kid runs the football, throws the football. He's got over 4,800 all-purpose yards this year and 38 touchdowns. That's a name it's going to be wind up probably on the Heisman list. I mean, so many good quarterbacks across the country. Amazing. It's, it's going to be a tough call to make a decision. But Brian Kelly spent a whole chunk of his press conference saying, did you see what we just had out there? My quarterback had 606 all-purpose yards. Amazing. Phenomenal. 
Texas A&M, money is no object. They fired Jimbo Fisher last night. He's the coach that uh, came out of the Southeastern Conference. He took the Aggies job, $78 million buyout. Money wow. money is no problem for the big cigars at Texas A&M. That's absurd. Uh, he was only 6-4 and four this year. They've not won a national championship since 1939. They've won only one Big 12 title in about 35 years. Uh, Texas A&M buys out Jimbo Fisher. Boise State fires on Saturday night late. Andy Avalonis, head coach. They're only 5-5. Five and five. Broncos are not what they used to be. Neither is San Diego State. Think about that. The two flagships of the Mountain West Conference, both getting rid of their coaches. Penn State, which got mopped up finally by Michigan in the fourth quarter. A lot of heat on James Franklin. I think he's done a good job. But he's 1-14 against Ohio State and Michigan, and he's only 3-17 against top 10 teams. People starting to grumble in State College, not because the winter weather is coming, grumbling about James Franklin. He just fired his offensive coordinator on yesterday. Okay, and here's a question for you. What do all these schools have in common? Tulane, Toledo, Fresno State, James Madison, and Liberty. Uh, They're a group of five schools, right? They're all ranked above USC. (laughs) Dolly Madison University in Virginia. James Madison and Liberty, the religious school in Virginia. Toledo, Tulane, Fresno, all ranked above USC. That's hard to believe what happened to the Trojans. Unbelievable. Okay, so that's college football. Let's go from there. Let's talk hoops for a minute. Hoops. Let's talk a little Lakers, Clippers. The season's just getting started. Yeah, and the injuries have already started. LeBron James, calf injury. We're 10 games into the season, and now he's hurting. Mm. Anthony Davis had the hip injury. Now he's back. He played one game since the hip injury. They benched Austin Reeves. He doesn't look like the same basketball player. He got the payday. He's shooting 41% from the floor and just seems lost out there. So the, And the Lakers bench that we all talked about how great this was going to be have not produced. There's no cohesive yet. It's young. I know it's a young part of the season, but not what we thought. And the Clippers, they've now lost five in a row since James Harden showed up. <laughs> now, he's trying to be a good teammate and he's trying to be a good citizen, but they're struggling as to who shares the basketball, yeah. who runs the offense, Is everybody getting equal touches? And the answer to all those questions, at least through the first five losses with James Harden, is no. Harden's only averaging 12 points per game. The touches are down for Westbrook. Kawhi, Paul George, number of touches compared to last year's start Mm -hmm. to the season. So they're still trying to figure it out. Has James Harden screwed up another team, or is it too early to say that? Well, it's still early on. I saw a video clip, you know, and one of the guys on Twitter was making fun of Harden. You know, I am the system. And he shot a ball, missed it. One of the bigs got a rebound, passed it back to Harden, and then he shoots again, right? So they're going to have to figure out, you know, kind of a, a way to share that ball with the L.A. Clippers. But I'm really concerned with L.A. Lakers. I mean, you, we talked about how they won the offseason. They won the trading deadline. They made it to the Western Conference Finals. They were on this upward trajectory. And now it's like the old guys are breaking down. Well, they got those guys and Rui Hachimura had a concussion, though he finally got back in the lineup on the weekend. So, yeah, they're a little bit dinged up. 
I, I, I think A.D. and the King are going to be okay. Although cabs are something got to be very careful. But for some reason, whatever we thought was going to work with all the guys they imported, they just haven't found a rhythm nor a consistency yet. We go from that basketball story, the NBA, to college basketball story in town. Yeah, and that this game against BYU San Diego State, it was that's another rock fight you were talking about. It rained in Provo. It mm-hmm. rained three-point shots. Oh, yeah. BYU hit 10 trays. Dallin Hall, a big sophomore guard, comes off the bench. She scores 18. There are three-point shots in the first half, midway, led them on a big scoring run. Three-point shots in the second half led them on another spurt. Had a 19-5 spurt in the first half, triggered by threes, came back, had a 15-5 spurt in the second half, triggered by threes. I think the Aztecs, they, they got to get more help for Jadon Ledee. The, the, they got to find forwards who are going to score because they didn't have it in the BYU loss. The bench only had four baskets. I do think the backcourt's going to be okay. Reese Waters, Trammell, Lamont Butler. But where, the, where is the scoring going to come from from the big forwards? And you just got to get scoring help for Ledee. Ledee had 21 points played. I think he played 32 minutes in the game. So that was a dose of reality. You know, and the other, other factor in this equation... Just ahead, schedule, Stanford, Washington, Xavier, Gonzaga. So they got a, they got a bunch of non-conference games that are going to be hard. So they, they're looking for some answers. They're only two games into the season, but there's some things here that have to be worked on. Yeah, I think they got to get these bigs. I mean, Elijah Saunders shows us something. He's a big body. He can hit the three sometimes. But Miles Heidi looked overwhelmed um, as a young man out there, as a freshman. This, you know, uh, what's the other kid? B.J. Davis is young. We don't really know a whole lot about him, but. The 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 Aztecs they they were down to like only eight scholarship players at one point <laughs> when um, Micah Parrish injured his finger. So it was a weird game. It's it's interesting how BYU is always so darn good at the Marriott Center, yet they don't really always advance that deeply in the tournament. Um, so I can't quite figure that one out. But that's always a tough road trip for the Aztecs. San Diego State is four and thirty one at the Marriott Center. <laughs> So that's where we are there. One final topic on the table before we roll the fans form, John. Okay, let's talk a little NHL here. First firing of the season. What, three weeks into the season? This was weird. This whole concept of what's going on in Edmonton is really weird. You know, Jay Woodcroft took over two years ago when they were underachieving, and they stormed into the playoffs. They were 23-9-5 and when Woodcroft took over at the end of, middle of the season two years ago. Last year, they had 109 points and surged, went into the Western Finals of the playoffs before they finally got beat. This year, out of the gate, 3-9-1, and one, played really poorly. And this has been an issue with bad starts. I think it's a bigger issue. It's not so much this coach. General manager did not fix the goaltending problems. We sat here last spring. We talked a bunch of hockey trying to teach you the game. You thought it was all about banging on the glass and drinking beer. Uh, But they had Stuart Skinner, young guy, and he let them down on the playoffs, and they finally got knocked out of the playoffs. Uh, They didn't do anything to address the goaltending problem in the offseason. Skinner's back between the pipes, and they're 3-9-1. So they fired Jay Woodcroft. They got to fix the back end. I mean, when you got Connor McDavid and you've got all this other firepower up front, you can't tell me 
is an explanation why this team shouldn't be in the Stanley Cup Finals once or twice or three times. They never gotten there with a generational player like Connor McDavid. So there may be a trade coming there. They've got multiple picks to use as trade bait. They've got some cap space. They need a veteran goaltender that can make some stops because Stuart Skinner right now is not the answer. And if you think you think it's tough here, you ought to be up in Edmonton where that's that's the biggest religion, not Catholicism. <laughs> Oilers hockey is yeah. the biggest religion there. So that's the big hockey story of the day. Hey, it's time for Fans Forum. You're on the clock. John, these are your best friends. want you to tell them right now what questions you've got, what answers we're going to give them on Fans Forum. Okay, let's get some of these guys involved. They've been all waiting here in line. And, and uh, this here's a comment here from Stay Ready. He says, nobody who is somebody wants the San Diego State football job. Oh, I think anybody will take it because it's a Division One job. I want somebody with track record who's going to be able to come here and change the personality of Aztec football. That means throw the bleeping football down the field because I think that's what the community wants. And John Riley says, well, clearly, yeah, we want to see a lot of action. And this is, you know, with the basketball program, lighten it up. I mean, I think football does too, but here's another comment from uh, body by Billy. He says, Hey, Jimbo Fisher to the Aztecs. Would he work for free? No, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think he's coming down to the mountain West conference. He'll wait till somebody else gets fired, but Jeez, last I checked, when I got called into the general manager's office and they gave me this brown envelope, said, sign this, <laughs> you know, my termination papers, I got bought out. Never even said thank you. I didn't get no $78 million like Jimbo Fisher got. That whole thing in Texas with the big cigars, the boosters, that is so out of control. Unbelievable. You know, the funny thing I have about Texas A&M, you know, you're driving around, you see people's cars with the stickers on the back, and it'll say, you know, proud alumni USC or whatever program. But for Texas A&M, it always says, doesn't say alumni, it says former students, you know? <laughs> so they include all the ones that have dropped out, you know? Didn't graduate. Yeah, and didn't graduate. Yeah, they're running the oil industry, though, in Texas. You, Stop laughing at yeah, that. Yeah, you know, that's that's Move probably on. true. Okay, here's go to Javier. He says, hey, the Dodgers could also trade for Corbin Burns and extend him. Exactly. I think there'll be some bidding. I think Milwaukee is in a bit of fire sale mode. You know, they've lost their other frontline starter. Brandon Woodruff is gone for the entire season next year with this ongoing shoulder problem that he's had. So they, I think they've gotten to the, the point where the, they haven't announced it, but I think they're shopping Christian Yelich, the big money outfielder, who had a big bounce back season, and they're, they're shopping Corbin Burns. And yeah, the Dodgers, they, they may well make a trade, but everybody that I've accessed is of the opinion, Otani priority one and maybe Blake Snell priority two. But if not Blake Snell, there's a phone. You call Milwaukee, area codes 414 Dodgers could be a player for any of those guys that we mentioned at the onset. Yeah, if you're a Brewers fan, you got to be just so discouraged, right? Because yeah, prior to that, they traded Josh Hader exactly. away in the middle of the pennant race. And they still kind of make the playoffs, but they never really get beyond the first round. And now they lost their manager on top of all that because of the way they do their business. Yeah, exactly. So it's got to be really frustrating to be a Milwaukee fan. We carry on on fans' form. Okay, let's go here to, to uh, Gary. He says, I saw Dean Spanos stick his head out of the tunnel at the Lions game, meaning the Chargers will have an extra seven weeks of losing. <laughs> Groundhog Day. Yeah, it was funny. Tony Romo, they had this headshot of, of Dean Spanos, who looks more and more like his grumpy old father used to look. I hated to do this, but at the end of the game, I texted friends. You probably got the text. I had a good day. Did you have a good day? I uh, don't think Dean Spanos had a good day. 
Everybody that I know just hates on the Charger ownership. And so they should. But I felt bad because the end of the day, Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen cannot do any more than they did yesterday, and they lost. Hey, you pro-charger, anti-charger, pro-hacksaw, hate hacksaw, doesn't matter. <laughs> Go to my website. I wrote a column this morning that's still posted up there. Go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com and check out my one-man's opinion column. Next question. Next question. Here's from Cameron. He says, Staley is dead man walking. Well, the scoreboard does not lie. You know, 500 or sub-500 record as a head coach with that quarterback? As Tony Romo said on the CBS telecast, how can Justin Herbert be a 500 quarterback with all this talent? And my response is, all the talent he doesn't have around him consistently. Well, I saw a clip um, in the clubhouse after the game, and he, he said to the team, he goes, is anyone surprised by the result? And everyone, all the team said, no, we aren't surprised. And I'm like, well, how in the hell can you not be surprised you lost the game? So I, I just don't get what he's trying to do there. It doesn't make sense. I don't know if he's dead man walking, but look at what's left on the schedule. I mean, do you see them getting from four wins to ten wins and maybe being a playoff team? <laughs> Except that there's, there's some screwball stuff that's gone on in Buffalo and Kansas City, mm-hmm. which have pre- prevented those teams from running away in the AFC in the divisional races. Mm-hmm. Carry on. Carry on. Uh, let's go to John here. And he says, while we're dreaming, how about Jim Harbaugh getting fired at Michigan and coming back to San Diego to coach the Aztecs? And as long as I'm dreaming, a portion of the driveway would be nice, too. Just amazing. You shall not do drugs before you come on our podcast. Uh, Harbaugh may be out of Michigan. Harbaugh may be the Raiders coach of the future, depending on what happens the back half of the schedule with the job that Antonio Pierce thinks he's done so far. But, you know, the, the minute the Michigan thing happened, coinciding with Josh McDaniels firing, everybody was connecting the dots. Jim Harbaugh going to Sin City still still could happen. Now, if he gets bounced out of there, he might not get another college job because people are starting to look at him sideways being... You know, this guy cut every corner there is in the world. Look what this guy's involved in. Because NCAA is still working on the COVID recruiting violations that Michigan stacked up from 2020 when nobody was allowed to make contact with recruits. But according to Jim Harbaugh, not me. I didn't get the memo. Well, he might be like Pete Carroll, right? Right when things <laughs> get hot, then he jumps to the NFL. And yeah, maybe the Raiders, maybe the Chargers, who knows? But he's going to be a hot commodity. I think so. Okay, let's go from that. Let's go to social media. Okay. man, did we get some people slamming us on social media too. <laughs> John, go ahead. Okay, let me, get, uh, let me get some folks here involved. One moment. Okay, there we go. All right, so let's uh, let's get this. Here's a hockey comment. I thought this was interesting. And this is from Rich. He says, that wasn't a fluke check. That dude deliberately kicked him with his skate. I'm not claiming it's murder. I don't think he meant to kill the guy, but he definitely kicked at him. He's talking about the, the tragedy with uh, Adrian Johnson, Pittsburgh Penguin player who died in England mm-hmm. from a skate cut to the neck. I only saw one angle to the clip. I mean, it was a violent collision, and he got flipped. I I don't know. Knee checks, unfortunately, still occur in, in hockey, and those are illegal because they're danger, dangerous to both the guy who delivers a knee check, sticks his knee out and hits the other guy's knee, and obviously the guy that get, takes the, the blow. But these are fluke things, but these guys are skating so fast, and these guys fall at different angles, and they go up in the air. 
you can see how that can happen. It, it was just a terrible, terrible tragedy. But hopefully, as I said at his funeral last week, hope he did not die in vain. I, I think you're going to see everybody has to be negotiated with the union, but I think everybody's going to start wearing throat guards. Yeah, you know, they're going to have to do something. I, I saw a little bit of that clip, and yeah, that skate, man, it was way up there. Yep. Um, let's move on here. And, uh, oh, this is actually from the San Diego uh, yeah. Padres fan club. And they're saying the San Diego Padres have acquired Lee Hacksaw Hamilton as the new team manager. No, 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 no. I want to be general manager because I know everything about everything as it relates to players. No. Um, <laughs> I'd be pretty good at it, though, because I have opinions about players, et cetera, et cetera. I talked to A.J. Preller once upon a time about doing stuff for him as, quote, administrative assistant. But, oh, interesting. Yeah, I'd never... It was just a conversation over a cup of coffee and my baseball background and my family's background in baseball. But Well, Jerry Coleman was the manager, so why can't you do it? Yeah, but he was a player who turned <laughs> broadcaster who turned manager. Move on. Moving on. Let's uh, get a, a comment here about Trevor Bauer. This is from William. He says, I've been calling for this for weeks. Trevor is innocent, like the head coach at Michigan State, both manipulated and harmed by treacherous women. Well, I wouldn't go that far because what Bauer did got Bauer suspended by baseball. Was he ever formally charged? No. Uh, the lawsuits were settled out of court. She didn't get any money. He released the video and the text. It sure looks ticky-tack. But that being said, what about the guy that's making the decision to do what he got involved in? That's pretty sleazy. And do you want him representing your team, knowing what he's done with at least three women and the court case and all that. And John Riley says... Well, imagine, you know, let's say you're a woman who legitimately was assaulted sexually, and you put up a stink about it. People are going to be doubting you, you know? She's screwing over all the other women in this case. But it was interesting that he talked about the Michigan State situation. That seems very different. I mean, the Michigan State coach was being... You know, that he had that, what, what was it? It was an advocate kit for women's rights. Yes, and he brought her in to speak to the players about respecting women on campus. Yes. Because she was a rape victim who then started a foundation, started counseling service. And Mel Tucker hustled her and propositioned her and yeah. did some other things on doing? Zoom. <laughs> so it's a little bit different case from what Trevor Bauer did. For sure. I don't know how you grade the sleaze factor here, but to me, <laughs> they're both pretty ticky-tack. Okay, a couple more here before we wrap it up. All right, let's go here talk a little bit about the new Ron Washington hire with the Angels. This is from Global Style, and he says, Wash was the, the glue behind Atlanta's defense. He literally worked with every infielder every day. He's got a passion for helping a player be his best. I don't know if he'll run Camp Wash in Anaheim, but one thing is for sure, L.A. is getting a very good man with a true passion for baseball, no baggage, period. Well, there was baggage. That's why he lost his managerial job in Texas, because of substance abuse and adultery. But that, that was years ago. Is respected, concur with you, thought process. He's just wired differently in terms of communicating with the players, his infield drills, his base running drills, the psyche of getting ready to grind through a 162-game schedule. Uh, that being said, they got to get him some players. His press conference is this coming Wednesday, so it'll be interesting to see you know, how the response is in the community. I'll throw this sidebar question out to you, and this is another topic for another day. Padres have yet to hire a manager. We know who they've interviewed and expressed interest in who's still out there. Buck Showalter? Hmm. Phone call, please? <laughs> well, Joe Musgrove would sure like to see Buck Showalter. So anyhow, 
Hey, listen, we hope you have enjoyed our podcast. It's brought to you, our bonus Monday coverage by Dixon Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. Nine locations have served San Diego for over 100 years. you got projects. These are your new best friends, Dixie Line Lumber. John, we covered a ton. We'll be back in here Thursday. More of the same. we got Monday Night Football tonight. Who's Who's playing? We got Buffalo. We got Denver. All right. Buffalo, not sure what they're doing this year. They're not kind of going sideways. Hope you have enjoyed our Bonus Monday podcast. We'll see you Thursday. Thanks for joining us as always. Tell a friend about Hacksaw's Headlines. Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. Touchdown, San Diego! For more content, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com.